welcome to another episode of the Brick House Podcast. I'm Bob Johnson. And I'm Matt Baker. Matt, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash almighty. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. 180,000? So many to choose from. Oof, man, better start listening. It's Thanksgiving week, and we want to treat our listeners to a walk down memory lane. Oh, I love that lane. Memory lane of NBA players who once sat at the Thanksgiving table, broke mm-hmm. bread together, were once friends, but are now enemies. Oh, man. Cold world, Bob. Classic example, of course, is Shaq and Kobe. Now, their split didn't cause any mass genocide or anything, but maybe that's because Shaq knew better than to accept any Christmas blankets from Kobe. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll call them Christmas blankets. <laughs> yeah. Smallpox blankets. Oh, yeah, man. there you go. Probably need big pox to take out Shaq anyways. <laughs> Rudy Gay is uh, one example of a, an NBA journeyman. Sure. This week, he played against his most recent team to trade him away, the Toronto Raptors. Unfortunately for Rudy, whenever a team trades him away, usually for pennies on the dollar, they do much better after he's gone. Right. The Memphis Grizzlies traded him away in the middle of the season, then went on to have the most wins at the time of their franchise. The Raptors traded him away and gave the keys to the offense to DeMar DeRozan. And Kyle Lowry, who have both gone on to become perennial all-stars. So in the second quarter of the Kings-Raptors game, DeMar DeRozan lost his shoe while going up for a shot. Gay went over for the rebound, but when he didn't get it, decided to take DeRozan's shoe and throw it into the stands. Nice. He hit an unsuspecting fan in the face with the shoe. Well, I was going to say, uh, good for some fan, but I guess it no, <laughs> not good. Anyway. It's like, you know, they said when the Indians, or some people have said when the Indians stood on the shore, you know, when Columbus's boats were coming <laughs> to the shore. Yeah. The, what were they? The Nina? Nina, Pinta, and Santa Maria. Right. Yeah. That because Native Americans had never seen a big ship like that before, right? some conject that they stood on the shore and they couldn't see the ships at all. Because they just couldn't imagine what that would look like, oh, wow. even if it were right in front of them. Yeah, okay. Maybe that's what it's like. You don't see a size 19 shoe <laughs> flying towards you at a basketball game. Yeah. You just don't expect that Yeah. At all. And then you know, what do you know? It's hitting you in the face. Same thing with Columbus. Hitting, on the shore. Hitting Indians with big giant ships in the face. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad my point was so crystal clear. <laughs> One quick note about DeMar DeRozan. Friend and former guest of the show, Kevin, pointed out to me today that in an unusual turn of events after signing a big contract, DeRozan is playing better yeah. now than he was in his contract year. That is a good point. So it's some reverse contract year thing going on. Matt, tell us a Thanksgiving NBA tale. Let me take you back to the summer of 2012, Bob. Okay. This one is Ray Allen versus Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. Oh, classic. The the first big three by name. Well, Ray Allen left Boston to sign with Miami in the summer of 2012. He went on, as you recall, to hit the shot that arguably won them the championship that season. Arguably the greatest shot of all time. Right. Too. 
But it wasn't all celebration because KG and Paul Pierce did not like the fact that Allen signed to left them to sign with arguably, well, not arguably, their rival. Yeah. It was it was their main competition. KG just flat out stopped talking to Ray Allen, gave him the cold shoulder in their first game playing. You remember in their first game playing against each other, Ray went over to the bench and was high-fiving Celtics, and KG didn't acknowledge him, and Ray gave him, like, the tap on the leg or something. <laughs> yeah, I do remember yeah. that. Uh, and he's just staring past him yeah, into the distance. Right. Well, he later, I think we found out he later took out four or five years of frustration on Zach Levine. Yeah. Uh, and Paul Pierce said that actually he said Ray was never a part of the big three. Oh, he right. He just flat out just came right out and said. Who was it instead? I Probably Rondo. Oh, I remember him saying the, the big three was, was him, KG, and Sam Cassell. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> I missed I missed out last week on a, a diss of the week submission. Ray Allen announced his retirement on the Players Tribune. Right. And Rondo was asked about it. He said, "I thought he retired years ago." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that they had a good thing going, went to the, won a championship, went to the finals in 2010, and then Ray went and left his boys in the wind. He seemed like a Kobe kind of guy, very aloof, not really the, the social guy. Ray Allen? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I guess I remember all the Celtics always saying that they would go to his charity events, mm-hmm. but he wouldn't even go to like team dinners when they planned them. Ghosted him. <laughs> Matt, the, the inspiration for this Thanksgiving Brickhouse podcast was a story that I caught uh, the Deadspin title um, about an ESPN article was Mark Cuban and Chandler Parsons were boys for life until stuff got hella twisted. <laughs> That's the perfect way to describe anything with Chandler Parsons, I think. Now, the story on ESPN details what went down with Chandler and Mark Cuban and why Parsons left the team. This got me thinking because we did a recording. Yeah. During the or we released a recording during the Mavericks Brickhouse preview back in September uh, that had a different tale than the ESPN article. Well, we yeah, and we got well, we got the inside scoop. To be fair, I think what we'll do as a as a Thanksgiving uh, pumpkin pie for our listeners here <laughs> is present the ESPN article, present our recording mm-hmm. in its original form. Oh wow! Okay. And let our listeners decide yeah, that, what the real story is. That's the only fair thing to do, I think. Okay. So the title that they're boys, here's what they had to say about that. Cuban has never shied away from developing friendships with players, right? Sure. Dating back to he put Dennis Rodman in his guest house weeks after he bought the Mavericks. He's gone clubbing with dozens of players for two decades. But both Cuban and Parsons say their friendship was different. There were two peas in pod. They would party. I saw pictures of them on Instagram partying with David Lee and Amy Schumer at a club. The writer of the article was there for that one because they're back and forth all night sort of ribbing each other about Cuban saying like, oh, we're going to give you this low ball offer. And they're laughing about it. And Chandler's like, no, you're going to give me the max. And they're just... They're joshing. Just a couple of boys palling around about Chandler Parsons' max contract. <laughs> right. Well, also remember he he uh, Parsons was 
head head boy number one trying to get DeAndre. So that Cuban probably loved that. He right? was trying to get DeAndre. Apparently, he made a lot of personnel suggestions that were very influential on Cuban. Mm-hmm. He wanted Monte Ellis gone. Cuban made it happen. Mm. If you recall, Monte Ellis was also very mopey in the locker room because he made half as much money as Chandler Parsons and thought it was bogus. I feel like Monte Ellis is mopey in every locker room, Bob. (laughs) Of course, it was in Parsons' best interest to leave and get $94 million when it was offered from the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, The end of the article talked about that same night with Schumer, uh, David Lee, and Mark Cuban. They had a cab waiting for them behind the club, and Cuban was paying the bill, so the last one out. And just as he walks out the door, Parsons has the cab driver speed off, (laughs) and Parsons yells out to Cuban, Max or nothing! (laughs) Leaves him stranded at the club. Oof. Art imitates life. I thought it was a clever piece of fiction by ESPN. Yeah. Um, The true story, of course... (laughs) Is all contained in a late-night phone call between Cuban and Parsons. Right. We don't normally go back and play these things, but it was just too pertinent. I've heard it a hundred times myself. If you didn't hear our Mavericks preview, you're hearing it for the first time now. Let's roll the, the audio, Matt. Yo, Marky, how's it hanging, dog? Hey, Chandler, uh, what time is it? Jeez, it, it's three in the morning. All good, brah. I just called to tell you about this great idea I got for the Shark Tank. Can, th- can this wait till morning? Brah, I think you're going to change your mind when you hear this. Yeah. All right, you got two minutes. So I was on this day with these two models early at night, right? And we just totally finished having some of the craziest sex I've had this way. Ch- Chandler, what was the idea? Right, and so the girl Anastasia, right? When the waitress comes to take her order for drinks, this sh- she orders hot water. I never f- heard of this before, brah. Oh, okay, what's the point? They bring out with like a teacup on a saucer with like a little doily on there. Even had a slice of lemon on that. Sh- you follow? Yeah, it, it sounds very nice, dude. It was f-ing epic. I haven't even told you the best part. I'm on pins and needles, bud. We got the bill at a cost of f- fortune, right? <laughs> I mean, like more than most people make in a week. But you know what wasn't on the bill? The hot water. Exactly, brah. So you know me. I, I got to thinking, why not? What? What? Why not what? Why wasn't it on the bill? Why isn't someone charging for this shit? It hit me. Are you sitting down? I'm lying in my bed because I was asleep three minutes ago. Hot water. What? Hot water. As in the water that is hot, but is also enjoyed by women that are hot. And of course me, Chandler Parsons, who is, of course, hot. Can't you see it now on the shelves at the store? What? How are you going to keep it hot? You see, that's why we need to partner up, okay? We can bounce these ideas off each other, bruh. Chandler, that's literally one of the worst ideas I've ever heard. And I'm on a show where people tell me they're horrible ideas all day long. No, I don't think you heard me, bro. Maybe I'm not explaining this right. Okay. It's called hot water. The water's hot. The girl is hot. And, of course, I'm Chandler Parsons, who, of course, is hot. So you'll get me on the show? I think it's nice of Cuban not to let this story come to light and rather have this 
this ESPN article be the uh, the placeholder. You know, he, it shows he really he really does care deep down because he doesn't want to besmirch the good name of Chandler Parsons. I think Chandler Parsons wouldn't want people to hear this, not because it's embarrassingly dumb, but because he still thinks it's a good idea yeah, for yeah. a company. I, I wonder. He was, you know, probably trying to sell Amy Schumer on it. Oh yeah, yeah. He, okay, yeah, yeah. He'll take anyone's money. Bob, can I take you back to a a year, the year nineteen ninety nine? I'm I'm <laughs> transported. <laughs> this one is. Uh, Tim Duncan and the U.S. national team. This is the the rift here. So Duncan, in 1998, uh, he was selected as one of the last two members of the U.S. national team for the World Basketball Championships. Sorry, I, did, I told you in 99, but I'm taking you back a year earlier. Okay. Uh, let, me, let me reconfigure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this was the lockout, so that team got replaced with CBA players and college players. So mm-hmm. Duncan... His first chance to play for the national team in 90, was in 99 for the qualifying team. He averaged 13 points, 9 rebounds. They finished 10-0. and 0. They qualified for the 2000 Olympics. But Duncan had a knee injury, so he had to miss the 2000 Olympics. Darn. In 2003, he came back. He started all the qualifying games. He led the team in points, led the team in rebounds, shot 60% from the field. Things were looking great. 2004 happens. We all know what happens in the Olympics. Oh, the third place. Yeah, third place. By the way, it was more losses in that Olympics was more losses that year than in the 68 previous years combined. Wow. Men's national team. After the tournament, golden boy Tim Duncan, well, at this point he's bronze boy Tim Duncan. Uh Uh-huh. He said, I am 95% sure my FIBA career is over. I'll try not to share my experiences with anyone. And then also said, FIBA sucks. <laughs> An unfortunate end to a otherwise budding friendship of Duncan and U.S. men's national team. I thought he wasn't born in the U.S. Virgin Islands, Bob. Is that is that United it's, States? I think it's a territory. So Okay. Well, another timely one. Guys who have to still share the floor with each other and a locker room, John Wall and Brad Beal. What was said over the summer, everyone's heard the quote by now, Wall said in an interview, I think a lot of times we have a tendency to dislike each other on the court. we got to be able to put that to the side. Well, Wall is playing great so far this season. 24 points a game, 8.3 assists, great defense. He's shooting 43% from three. Wow. The lockout shortened season... Oh, yeah. How many years ago is that now? Five years ago? Sure, yeah. Five or six? He shot three for 42 from three. Wow. Maybe that was what he was working on over the summer. That's really the only skill that Brad Beal is superior to John Wall at is the outside shooting. Sure. John Wall's just in the gym all summer just like, damn, Brad Beal, yeah. I'll show him. Either way, Wall's play is not making the team any better. In fact, they're the the only team with a worse record in the Eastern Conference right now than the Wizards as the lowly Philadelphia Sixers. And Bradley Beal has already missed three out of the first 12 games of the season. Sounds right. All losses, including one to the Sixers. So Scott Brooks was brought in because anybody would be a better coach than Randy Whitman. Or so they thought. <laughs> But they also wanted him to broker peace between these wizard maxed-out guards. 
with John Wall. He's now represented by Rich Paul, LeBron's mm-hmm. agent, yeah. Clutch Sports. I doubt he'll say something again like he did this summer, you know, inflammatory statements against Beal. But we probably won't see John Wall run over and help Brad Beal up when he hits the floor either. Yeah. If I'm Brad Beal, I don't accept any holiday pies from John Wall. <laughs> if you've ever seen the movie The Help, you'll know what oh, I'm talking yes, about. Oh, yes, Turd pie. Yeah. Don't eat it. Don't eat it, Brad Beal. What, ho- what about Christmas blankets, Bob? Christmas blankets? Yeah. yeah. Check that off the list, too. While we're talking Wizards, Gore taught this week. Uh, said that the Wizards have the worst bench in the NBA. <laughs> he might have to be picking himself off the floor, too, after saying that. Yeah. yeah. Pretty stupid thing to say. That's the sort of thing you wait until your career at FIBA is over yeah. before you say, you know what, you guys suck. Right, right. <laughs> but to be fair, in Poland, they just kind of speak They speak their mind, Bob. Yeah. Matt, will you tell our listeners about that Audible offer? I'm glad you're giving me this opportunity. You know, for the listeners of Brickhouse, Bob, if they didn't hear us earlier, I'm going to tell them again. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a 30-day free trial to give you, the listener, the opportunity to free check trial. out their service. Yeah, it's a free audiobook with a free trial. Wow. The amount of free is unparalleled. <laughs> yeah, so just go get your free audiobook. Go to audibletrial.com slash almighty. If you didn't, did you just hear me, Bob? Because I can repeat it. It's audible. One more time. Yeah, audibletrial.com slash almighty for your free audio book. I, uh, I'm currently, I don't know if there's an audio book for this. Someone could look it up, but I'm currently reading West by West, the, Jer- oh, the Jerry uh-huh. West book. It's fascinating. I s- switch between thinking he's amazing and thinking he's a whiny little brat. Uh-huh. Huh. What bring, always brings me back is he's fully aware of that. Do you have a suggestion for the, for the Oh, I people? was looking at audible.com, looking, cruising for my free trial book, mm-hmm. and I saw there's a new book called Showboat, The Life of Kobe Bryant oh, man. by Roland Lazenby. It's a brand new book, just came out last month. If you want 22 hours of Kobe stories read to you, yeah, go to audible.com, audibletrial.com, excuse me, slash almighty. Speaking of Kobe... We all know the story about him and Shaq. You know, they're the classic, used to be friends, now they're mortal enemies. Sure. We've all heard that story, but I had never heard this little nugget before I was researching for the pod. It annoyed Kobe that he was viewed as Robin to O'Neill's Batman, right? We knew yeah. that much. Uh-huh. So to combat this perception, Bryant, who was signed to Adidas at the time, told his teammates he would give them free gear if they passed him the ball more than they passed to O'Neill. Wow. This is according to uh, Robert Ory. He said it worked. Bryant averaged 5.4 more field goal attempts than O'Neal, which was the largest difference at the time between them. Bryant's previous high was three shots more than O'Neal in 2000-2001. But here's the kicker, Matt. Okay. Despite his teammates keeping up their end of the bargain, Ory said Bryant never gave them the gear he promised. What? And has continued to make excuses for it. Kobe still hasn't given his teammates gear, and Kobe said he doesn't owe them anything since he switched to Nike. Oh, because it was an Adidas deal. I guess so. (laughs) Okay. Hear those stories and more when you download a free copy of (laughs) Showboat. (laughs) AudibleTrial.com slash almighty. Great stuff. Maybe the closest thing we've seen to Kobe Bryant since then, Kobe Shaq's feud. Yeah. 
I think it has to be Westbrook Durant. Oh, wow. Yeah. Westbrook shot out of the gate like Columbus on a headhunting expedition. <laughs> he has three 30-point, 15-assist, 10-rebound games this season. That's the most in a single season in the last 30 years. The Thunder started 6-1 and one for the best start in franchise history, but since then they're 2-5. and five. Uh, Westbrook continues to put up mega numbers, but without getting wins. You know, the original land that was stolen by the oil barons, Aubrey McClendon and Clay Bennett, was the Seattle Sonics. You might notice there was no Comic Sans letter after Kevin Durant left, or really any mention at all from the owners about loyalty and so on. Yeah. Usually someone in the organization says something to that effect, but they probably didn't want to remind people that they they have a stolen basketball team. Oof. The Sonics were in the news because Russell Wilson, the Seahawks quarterback, yeah. he's part of a group trying to get the NBA and NHL back in Seattle. They're building a new stadium or trying to. Uh, meanwhile, Durant and the Warriors have now won seven in a row since that near-apocalyptic 20-point loss to the Lakers. And they're averaging 116.8 points per game, something no team has managed since the 91-92 Warriors with Mullen and Tim Run Hardaway. TMC. Yeah, they, they averaged 118.7 points wow. back then. Crazy. If there was ever a player I could see having like a Custer's last stand game, it would be Russell Westbrook. Oh, yeah. Imagine, just think of like Kobe shooting the 60 shots like he did in his last ever game. I could see Westbrook going an entire game without passing. He'd have a quadruple double and lose to the Warriors by 25. In fact, it's already happening against the Pacers on Sunday night. Westbrook had 79 more touches than any of his teammates. 79. 79 more touches than any of his teammates. For perspective, that's about how many Kyrie Irving has averages in a game. If I dribble down, that's one touch. Pass it to you, you pass it back to me on the same possession. I have two touches. Correct. So basically it was a guarantee that he would always start down the court and at least get it back twice probably during that possession. You know, when he's having these games with 12, 13, 15 rebounds, he often doesn't pass it to anybody. Right. <laughs> yeah. Quick quiz. Mid-podcast uh, mid quiz for you. Bring it. There's four, four players have had triple doubles this season. Can you name all four players? Westbrook, obviously. Westbrook, you... Draymond, James Harden, and DeMar DeRozan? No. John it's, Wall. It's Westbrook, Harden, Julius Randle. Whoa. And LeBron. Whoa. So, no, no Draymond. No Draymond no. triple double. I was I was as surprised as you were. I just assumed. He had Draymond had a thirteen last year. Wow. So. Julius Julius Randall is having a good season. Yeah. He also had a triple double last year, by the way, Julius Randall. So, nice. Um, there's your pointless. There's your pointless quiz for the day. <laughs> well done. What did I get? Two out of four? Okay. You know what? Yeah. You know what your prize is? The Morris Brothers versus the Suns. Yes. Yes. I'll take it. I feel like a winner. The Suns drafted Markeith Morris. You know, Marcus Morris was looked at as potentially the better one going into the draft. And the Suns took Markeith, which was ominous because the Suns always had a history of taking the worst twin. The lesser twin. Right. But this time they got it right, actually. Well, temporarily. Uh-huh. 
Suns drafted Markeith. A pick later, the Rockets drafted Marcus Morris. Then the Suns traded a second rounder to Houston to get Marcus, reuniting the reuniting the boys. Right. And they played well, well enough that the Suns had a pile of money and said, you two can have this, split it whatever way you want for four years yeah. each. Didn't they, don't they share a bank account? They share a bank account. Yeah. They didn't split it evenly because I think that was the excuse, like, well, it's all going the same place anyway or yeah. something. Well, that's what the... The brother who made more told the other right. one. <laughs> Markeith got $32 million over four years, and Marcus got $20 million over four years. Imagine that. That's... Maybe Markeith just offered to buy all the pizzas for the next four years. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they signed extensions and then instantly started complaining about everything, got mm-hmm. arrested. Oh, yeah. Picking fights with Coach Jeff Hornacek, saying they'll sit games. Uh, Marcus got traded in a salary dump. They failed LaMarcus Aldridge salary dump. They traded him to trade him, Reggie Bullock, and someone else to Pistons for nothing, which made Marquise furious. Right. Marquise would just, I think he even demanded a trade and said he was going to sit out and then begrudgingly started the season. Meanwhile, I think there were like tweets from Marcus egging on the Suns the whole time. Yeah. Egging on the fans. Finally, Markeith got traded to Washington, and now they are pretty much the most hated players in, in Marcus Phoenix. Is, Marcus is playing well for the Pistons. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah, not not welcome in Phoenix. Now, is that it for your uh, once friends, now foes? Could be. I have a few more, but if you want to oh, no. move Please, on. What, to what the, else you got? To be fair, these two made amends later in life, but Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain. Oh, yeah, huh? Always rivals. Right. Well, they were close friends. But then, and this came up in the Jerry West book, too. Bill Russell's final game was Game 7 of the 1969 Finals. Okay. Player coach at the time, right? Yeah, and well, yeah, and he, they, Celtics won. Now, what made Russell upset is that Wilt spent most of the game on the bench. He Well, he actually, sorry, he injured his knee late, so he was out. With six minutes left, he didn't come back in the game. And Russell, knowing that this was his final game, wanted to you know, play against his friend and his main competition. He wanted to go out. Okay. Way. So Russell was upset and basically accused Wilt of copying out of the game when it seemed like the Lakers were going to lose. Wow. Called him soft and all this, and which led Wilt to obviously be upset, thought he stabbed him in the back. And turns out Wilt's knee was injured enough that he couldn't play the entire off season, and he hurt it again the following season. This led to them not talking for 20 years. Whoa. And Russell was the one that met up with Wilt and apologized for starting it. The ending is, I saw when Wilt died in 99, Wilt's nephew said that Russell was the second person he was told to call oh, when, wow. Wilt, when Wilt died. So interesting to go from friends to not talk for 20 years. and Then he had to call 30,000 women that, <laughs> yeah. that Chamberlain had banged. Make this quick, Will, cause, <laughs> or make this quick, Bill, because I have a lot of people to call. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that story. That's right. cool. What's the last one? The last one is sent in by a friend of the show, Aaron. It is Jason Kidd, Jamal Mashburn, and Jim Jackson. Oh, right. We were only kids, but that was uh, 
an ongoing feud. Right. They, uh, and I didn't realize it at the time. All I knew is that they had a great NBA jam team. Yeah. <laughs> and at that point, to me, that just seemed like they were on top of the world when they really weren't. What happened, though, to lead them? It, they only played two and a half seasons together. Okay. And what happened, Bob? The rumor is it was Tony Braxton that got in the middle of oh yeah this trio. Yeah, I remember. Legend has it. I know you like a good legend has it. Yeah. One night in 1996, Tony Braxton reneged on plans with Jason Kidd to hang out with Jim Jackson, okay, causing a split between the two. And this split between those two kind of led to a split with Mashburn because like, y'all are y'all are going out with Tony Braxton didn't <laughs> yeah. tell me yeah because he didn't get he, he didn't he wasn't even involved well they were going through their own he was, issues he was dating DeBrat at the time yeah, yeah. <laughs> looking back on it which is all right they were going through some stuff and it didn't help that Tony Braxton actually came out with an album called Secrets oh man and then she went on the airwaves in Dallas and said she doesn't kiss and tell Oof. So even if there was nothing going on, there was definitely enough enough poking and enough questions to really cause trouble. And you get these young kids with their egos, and they all want to be stars of the team. So they ended up trading Kid in December of 96 to the Suns. And you would think that they got Michael Finley back, so you think that this would lead to the Mavericks building with that. No, they traded Mashburn and Jackson two months later. Their way to mend the fences and heal within the organization was to get rid of all three. Wow. Turns out you can't unbreak Jason Kidd's heart. Oh, man. You can't. Matt, I saw something that I knew could fit perfectly into our business of basketball Ooh. segment. Cool. And it's also one of my favorite players this year, Joel Embiid. Oh, yeah. The Joel, process. In the business of basketball. Embiid is filing through his agency, CAA Sports, for, quote, goods and services, including apparel, namely shirts, sweatshirts, shorts, sweatpants, hats, flip-flops, trademarking the process. Oh, wow. But, Matt, it gets better. <laughs> A second filing lists other goods and services that he is trademarking. Rubber bracelets, children's books, non-alcoholic beverages, namely pre-bottled Shirley Temple drinks. Is you're, you're making all this up, Bob. This is all true. <laughs> Joel Embiid is planning on selling pre-made Shirley Temples under the name The Process. Perhaps the greatest single marketing idea in sports history. This stuff writes itself. <laughs> I was thinking about just doing the whole podcast, just, just giving this information, dropping the mic, and it's <laughs> well, 40 minutes, 20 silence. seconds, yeah. yeah. I also have a Josh Smith update for oh, you. Oh, wow. What, what's he up to? He's not playing on the team with high school friend Dwight Howard and best man at his wedding. He's playing in China. Oh, wow. Okay. The other night, Matt, he attempted 18 three-pointers in a God, game. Some things don't change. So good. It's that's so good. <laughs> Maybe he had offers from uh, NBA teams, you know. Yeah. We're just, we're just going to need you to keep the threes to under two or three at nope not no. interested <laughs> yeah detroit's paying me through 2020 guys in 2013 2014 on the pistons he shot 3.4 threes a game and averaged 0.9 makes oh. he actually made seven of the 
of the 18 threes in China. Actually, he's never. Wow, that's a great. That's huge. He's he never averaged one three made per game in his NBA career wow. in a season. He just had to make five of them in the fourth quarter of Game Six versus the Clippers. I, great. We, we have I, we have pointed this out before, but I want to rewind and bring it back for new listeners. Uh-huh. In 2009, 2010, he played in eighty one games and he shot seven three pointers total that whole year. He made none of them, but he he only shot seven. The next year, he shot one hundred and fifty four. And two years after that, he broke the 200 barrier. That's a mystery we got to solve. Yeah, someday. I don't what know what happened that. Summer? I don't know what happened. Did he? <laughs> did someone introduce him to the three point line? <laughs> there had to have been some signing that took place of a three point shooter that year, but it really is. It is baffling. On the next episode, <laughs> maybe on the next four, we can do like a serial <laughs> podcast. Right? Josh Smith is just calling from jail. Yeah. Did you, uh, did you listen to this past season of Serial? I did, yeah. Uh, my favorite part was uh, the part where she's like, yep, that's me talking to ISIS. And then it was like, on the next episode of Serial? And you're like, <laughs> what? No, you can't. <laughs> Quite a cliffhanger. Yeah, you can't just do that. Well, that was my favorite diss of the week that wasn't NBA. was on Saturday Night Live on a Weekend Update. They said Donald Trump proved that he is... The, one of the bravest men in the world when he sat down with Barack Obama, the founder of right. ISIS. <laughs> <laughs> but for our NBA diss of the week. Yo mama is so fat. I wanted to give our listeners a Thanksgiving Superman edition of the diss of the week. Whoa. First of all, we have our runner up. This one is a look. We'll see if it translates to a podcast. But the runner-up for the diss of the week is Kent Bazemore. Kent Bazemore started laughing at a matchup that Dwight Howard had in the post before throwing him an alley-oop. This was in the Hawks-Knicks game this past week. You could see Bazemore sees that Marshall Plumlee... Nick's rookie and lowest ranked Plumley on our Plumley ratings yes. was guarding Dwight Howard. Kent Bazemore is dribbling the ball. There's an NBA player guarding him, and Bazemore just starts laughing. <laughs> then he throws the alley oop to Dwight Howard, which Marshall Plumley has no chance of even getting anywhere close to. Do you think so? He obviously Bazemore heard the Plumley rankings and saw. Yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> That's the... why he was cheesing out. Yeah. Right. It's too bad for Marshall because according to uh, Bondi on Twitter, sorry, I don't know your first name, Marshall (laughs) Plumlee was a late call-up for the game. I was going to say, I was surprised he was even... Yeah, he sprinted through the New York City streets and paid a cab driver $60 to run a red light to get him to the game on time. That's the runner-up. The winner of this week's Superman edition of the Diss of the Week, the Miami Heat, Matt. Yeah. have announced that they will be retiring Shaquille O'Neal's number 32 on December 22nd this year. As they should. Who do you think they play on December 22nd when they're retiring Shaq's jersey? The Lakers, Bob? The Lakers. Okay. 
Pat Riley might have to tank this year, so he's just looking for people to uh, to throw some shade at, and uh, the Lakers are always a favorite target of his. Winner of our This of the Week. Way to, way to go, Pat Riley. On the next episode of Brick House. Maybe we'll dive into the biggest NBA regrets of 2016. Wow. Maybe your team just signed a new coach to a five-year deal, and you're one of the worst teams in the league, Scott Brooks. Yeah. I know there's plenty of teams that wish they could have their $70 million back and take a mulligan on a bench player they signed who's shooting under 35%. Who's that? Evan Turner. Okay. Maybe Phil Jackson regrets something he said. Or maybe that's too much to ask. <laughs> but we'll tell you all this and more on the next episode of Brickhouse. House.